As we're going through the book of 1 Corinthians, we've come now to probably one of the most famous passages in the entire Bible, starting from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love, uh, it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. This is a favourite passage for many people, a passage that's been read at many weddings. Maybe be cheeky. Put your hand up if you had 1 Corinthians 13 read at your wedding. Anybody here? You've read it a few times, Brian. That doesn't surprise me somehow. It is probably the fullest, richest, most beautiful description of what love is and what love means. And the question you might have reading through the book of 1 Corinthians as a whole is why does Paul launch into this description of love here? Why does he choose to share all of this with the Corinthian church and with us? And that can be the value of looking at a passage like this in a series going through the full book. We see the passage in its context. So we know from the previous weeks as we've been looking at this letter that Paul wrote that the Corinthian church had a lot of problems. Um, And A lot of problems Paul has written to them about. Division and disunity in the church and dividing over which apostle or which leader they follow. There's been 
sexual immorality in the church that some boast about. There are others in the church that have gone so far the other direction that they're just about outlawing sex even between married couples. We've got lawsuits among believers. We've got arguments happening about rights and when it comes to things like food and meat that's been sacrificed to idols. There's been, as we saw last week, an overemphasis on tongues and the extraordinary spiritual gifts uh, to the point where those without those gifts were made to feel like they weren't part of the church. There's many, many symptoms of what is wrong with this church. And now Paul gives his diagnosis for what is the underlying problem. What is the key thing that they're missing? The heart of the problem is, of course, a lack of love. Of the kind of love that God has shown us through Jesus. It's a real problem that they're facing this lack of love because love is the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's the reason for everything that we do when we follow him. And that's where Paul starts in this passage. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels... But do not have love. I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now, as I've read those things again, one thing that you might have noted is that none of these are bad things. Having faith, faith that can move a mountain, is not a bad thing. Giving money to the poor is not a bad thing. Using spiritual gifts is not a bad thing. So why are they so why is it worth noting? Why does Paul make such an emphasis that they're worth nothing if they're done without love? If love is not the motivation behind our actions in following Jesus? Why does he say that love is so much more important than any of the the super spirituality that the Corinthians thought was really important? Well, Christians are called to be followers of Jesus and Jesus did everything he did out of love this is how we know what love is Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters 1 John 3.16 so if Jesus did everything he did out of love if we're not acting out of love then we're not really following Jesus. Not really following the example that he set. And love is essential to all that we do because the kingdom of God, the, the, the company of believers, we're not a business where 
All you have to do is make sure that you're doing the tasks that have been assigned to you and whether you like your co-worker doesn't matter. The kingdom of God is not a business, it's a family. And whether we love one another in a family does matter. It matters whether the works are done with love because love makes a difference. We know when something has been made with love as opposed to when something has been made out of obligation. They won't know that we're Christians by our tongues. They won't know that we're Christians by our moving mountains. They won't know that we're Christians by our asceticism and our holiness and our, all of our things that we give up to be you know, in a monastery somewhere. They'll know we are Christians by our love. To love like Jesus has shown us, like Jesus has demonstrated for us. And that's the kind of love that Paul describes for us here. That wonderful, beautiful, vibrant picture of the love of God that he has for us. The love with which you are loved by God. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Now, of course, in his role as the judge, as the Bible tells us about, he does, you know, have to keep track of wrongs. But he keeps no record of forgiven wrongs. When we ask for forgiveness, those things are gone. He keeps no record of them. He's not going to bring up for us, do you remember... In September of 1983, when you said, that's not what he's going to do. Jesus does not delight in evil, but in the truth. Jesus is not self-seeking. He does not dis, uh, dishonor others. He always protects, always perseveres. Jesus has loved you, everyone. He's loved all of us, even those who were his enemies, but in particular those who have believed in Jesus, have followed him. Know that Jesus has loved you since before the creation of the world, since before one of our days came to be. But we didn't love him back. God created, he provided all that we needed and we took what he had created and rejected him as the one who rules over our world, as the one who has the right to define what is good for us and what is not, what is right and what is wrong. And yes, it was Adam and Eve that did it first, but we have all gone our own way. We have all rejected God's rightful place as our creator, as our God. Even those of us who've grown up believing in him, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as Paul says in Romans. 
And the cost of our rebellion against God is death. The cost of our rebellion against God is that we forfeit the right to all that he has given us, the life that he has given us, the world that he has given us. We forfeit the right to his presence, to be where he is. And we deserve death and separation from God. But while we were still his enemies, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. While we were still his enemies, Jesus loved us with the kind of love we read about in 1 Corinthians 13. The kind of love that Paul exhorts us is the kind of love that Jesus has demonstrated for us. In love, Jesus came into our world, giving up the glories of heaven for the pain and the suffering of this fallen world. In love, he, was, he went to the cross, gave his life as a ransom for many, and he bore the wrath of God for our sins. Love defines the character of Jesus and the Father and the Spirit so much that the Bible can say of them, God is love. And that kind of love leaves a mark. That kind of love makes a difference. But first, we need to know that love. We need to have received and known that sort of love from God and put our trust in the fact that God does love us before we can even begin to show that sort of love to others. To be able to rest in and know the love of God. This has been something I've battled with over my journey as a Christian. It's so easy to begin to think of God as distant. So easy to begin to think of God as stern and disapproving. We need to earn his love. We need to earn his favour. And that's a lie that I'm not the only one that's fallen for that lie sometimes. A lie that the enemy has been using for a very, very long time. That God is distant, easily angered, hot-tempered, and he's mad at you. And you've got to sort yourself out. That's not what we come across in God's word. And that's not the love that is described, God, the love of God that's described for us in God's word. When we can put our trust in the fact that God loves us, that's the difference, that's what enables us to be able to love in the same sort of way, to love others, even when they're not easy to love. Because God loved us when we haven't always been easy to love. And that's the difference between 
working hard and doing things in, in ministries and in the church and in the thing because you, you've got to get God's approval versus the difference between knowing that God loves you and you want to do it because you love him back. As we know, as we come to know and put our trust in the love of God and put our trust in Jesus and choose to follow him, he begins to shape us to be more like, shape us with this love. We begin to become more like Jesus as we put our trust in him. This is what Paul is saying. It looks like to be a spiritual person. It's not about being filled with incredible, amazing gifts. It's about being filled with what he calls elsewhere the fruit of the Spirit, the love of God. As we read 1 Corinthians 4 to 7, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonour others. I'm not all of those things. I'm some of those things some of the time. Um, Maybe even some of those things a lot of the time. But I'm not any of those things all of the time. And the truth is none of us are. I hope that's not shocking to anybody here. No Christian is fully all of these things that we read in 1 Corinthians 13. But that's what's got, what God is growing in us when we trust in him, when we trust in his love. A little bit more each day we exhibit the love of Jesus, the love that, of that incredible nature that we read about here. And it's something that, as I say, the Spirit works at in us. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and patience and gentleness and all of those wonderful things. But it's what God is doing in us if we trust in him. And it's what Paul is calling us here to want to be, to set our eyes on moving, on on growing towards our role model in life, in who we want to be, is Jesus, is, you know, is living this sort of love which we have seen in Jesus. Let's grow in love, he says, because love never fails. Paul's final point is that love is a part of eternity. When We are in heaven. It will not be all austere and beautiful, but, you know, everybody keeps their distance from one another. And it's the picture of heaven is a community of love. Love will last for all of eternity, just as love has existed for all of eternity. And the Father and the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father. And we are brought into that relationship of perfect love for all of eternity. So Paul says, don't delight. Don't don't set up as the best thing prophecies. 
Prophecies are good, and, and there's a whole another discussion next week about what Paul's talking about exactly here. But he said that won't last forever. There won't be a need for that in heaven. Don't delight in tongues. You know, we won't need... In heaven, we'll all understand one another. Don't delight in knowledge. What we know now is only in part. And he gives us the illustration of... Think back when you were children. What you knew then was only a part of what you know now. It wasn't necessarily... The things we know now aren't wrong, but they're only a part of what we will know. Then, now we know, see dimly as through a mirror. Their mirrors were a little bit different to ours. But then we will see him face to face. What an incredible sentence that is. And we will know him fully, even as we are fully known by God. And so he tells us faith, hope and love remain. But when we see him, faith and hope will be realised. They will be at their end. We won't need them anymore. But we will love and be loved forever. So the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the incredible love that you have for us. We thank you that you loved us when you were under no obligation to. The only reason that we can give for why you loved us is because you did. Because that is who you are. We thank you for the incredible example of love that we see in Jesus and we pray that you'll help us to put our trust in that love. To know that we're not saved by our works and the good things that we do, but by your grace, your love shown to us. We pray that you will help us to grow this love in our own lives, not by trying to work harder in our own strength but by knowing your love in ourselves and having it grown in us so that we can show that love to others we pray this in Jesus name Amen here is love vast as the ocean loving kindness as